Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praises in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you know that babies can learn sign language? I went most of my life without knowing this, but apparently it's true, and apparently they can start learning it at a pretty young age. Some babies will know their first sign by just six months old. And by nine months old, there will be some babies out there that know up to 25 signs. Why teach your baby a little sign language, other than it's a pretty cool trick to break out to impress friends and family alike? Well, there are actually a lot of benefits. Studies show that it'll increase their IQ, it'll help them communicate better as adults, and infinitely most important, it will cut down on frustration for both the baby and the parent. Why does it cut down on frustration? Well, let's just say that Junior can communicate to you what he wants or needs, and you can potentially meet that need. If he's cold, if he's hungry, if he's sick of getting held by mom and just wants to be held by dad, he can make that sign to you, and you can potentially meet that need. Well, these benefits, they sounded pretty good to me, so we decided a few months ago to try to teach my junior there, Cooper, my youngest boy, a little baby sign language. Unfortunately, lessons didn't go quite as well as I was hoping for. And after a couple of short lessons, he only knew one sign. Here it is. <laughs> Anyone know what that's the sign for? More. More, right? And a little baby, they'd usually make that sign up in the high chair when they want more food. And Cooper was making this sign all the time. And so I thought he was hungry all the time. He was getting a handful of goldfish here, a sheet of graham crackers there. Well, it turns out he was using this particular sign in a very versatile fashion. Whenever he wanted or needed anything at all that was potentially in the room, he'd give us one of these. Maybe he was tired and just wanted to recharge in mommy and daddy's arms. He'd come up and give us one of these. Maybe he had hurt himself dealing with a little boo-boo and he needed the special healing powers of a mommy or daddy kiss. He might come up and give us one of these. Sometimes there'd be a toy or something out of his reach and no matter how hard he strained or was on his tippy toes, he couldn't reach it. He goes up to the toy, gives it one of these. In fact, this is probably the way he uses that particular sign the most. Sometimes he'll go up to light switches in our house. He wants them on or off. Gives it these. The other day, it was 50 degrees. We were at the park. He was in the swing, and the whole time he was in the swing, he was going like this. Turns out what he couldn't reach was his own back, and he wanted to be pushed higher into the air. In fact, no matter what Cooper wants or needs, he tends to have the same exact reaction. He's always putting his two little hands together, and he's asking his mom or dad, to get that need for him. Aha, a metaphor is afoot. You see, we should be an awful lot like Cooper whenever we have a want or need. We should put our two little hands together and we should approach our heavenly father and ask for that want or need. We should be spending more and more time in prayer. And there are a lot of benefits to praying. In fact, they sound an awful lot like a little baby's benefits of learning sign language. 
It'll increase your spiritual IQ. It'll help you communicate with God better. And it certainly will cut down on your frustrations. Why does praying do these things? Well, the more you pray, the more you're going to understand God's will for your life, what he's doing to you and through you. Spiritual IQ is going to go through the roof. And as you pray more, the scriptures are pretty clear about this. In some way, your needs are actually going to be met all the more, cutting down on your frustration. And it turns out we should be praying for a lot of the things that Cooper is asking for with one of these. When we're tired and just need to recharge, it's the perfect time to pray. When we're dealing with a boo-boo, a hurt, sickness, ailment, illness, disease, it's the perfect time to pray. And when we desperately need something that we just can't reach on our own, no matter how hard we try, it's the perfect time to give God one of these. And so what we're going to do for the rest of this message is going to be very simple. We're going to look at our readings today, and we're going to see where God meets these needs when people come to him with these specific requests. I hope you're going to see just how worthwhile it is to pray all the more and that you are encouraged to pray all the more. And we're going to start by looking at need number one on that list. When you're tired and just need to be recharged, a very worthwhile time to pray. And a lot of us are tired. I saw a statistic the other day. More than 60% of Americans say they rarely feel energized and rested in the morning. Question, are you amongst that 60%? Raise your hand if you feel like you might be in that 60% on occasion. And statistically speaking, over half of the room should be raising their hands right now. In fact, I know some of you are in that 60%. I'm looking out there right now. I'm seeing some heavy eyelids. Now, this is not permission to fall asleep during this particular message, but I will say this. It's okay. It's okay to be tired. It is simply a human to be tired sometimes. And in our readings today, we see the reaction of another human being, what he does when he is tired. He takes it to God and he is re-energized. That human being is, of course, Jesus himself. In Mark 135, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Not necessarily a revolutionary thing to find a verse with Jesus praying. But understand this. Jesus' regular response to being tired after a big day or knowing he had a big day up ahead and needed to recharge was to go to God and pray for his supernatural energy. And Jesus had just had a big day and he's about to have another very big day in our gospel lesson today. Look what Jesus accomplishes over the course of about 24 hours or so. He teaches and preaches in the synagogue. And I'll tell you, it takes something out of you to prepare a lesson or a sermon and then deliver that lesson or a sermon. He then goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house where he heals her. She's been bedridden with a fever and he heals her. Then it says, and it glosses over this in just about one verse, he heals an entire town, sicknesses and diseases. He's driving out demons in the evening. He gets up the next day. He's driving out more demons. He's doing some more teaching and preaching. After all this, he is tired and he needs to recharge. And so what does he do? He gets up very early in the morning and spends a little time in prayer. Now I'm watching you. I know some of you are with me right here and you're saying, Pastor, I was right with you about the power of prayer. 
But does it have to be very early in the morning? I mean, wouldn't less sleep make me more tired? It's kind of counterintuitive, right? But I'm telling you, what Jesus does here, this time spent in prayer very early in the morning, this recharges him more than a full night of sleep ever could or a large cup of coffee ever could. I've seen it in my life, but you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to what Martin Luther has to say here about this exact situation. This is a fantastic quote. He says, work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. It's counterintuitive, right? But what he is saying here and what I've seen in my life and what Jesus is showing in his life is that there are many times when you will be more productive if you spend large portions of time in prayer before the task at hand. It's counterintuitive math. But sometimes, in fact, many times, we will accomplish more if we spend 30 minutes in prayer and then 30 minutes on the task at hand than if we had spent the entire hour working on whatever that thing is, especially if the task at hand is in the center of God's will. Why? Well, when we go to God and pray, we are recharged. We get his supernatural touch. We experience Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In God, we have someone who says, come to me, all who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. That is his promise. The perfect time to go to God in prayer is when you are tired and need to be recharged. Second, when you need help dealing with a boo-boo, a sickness, a disease, an ache, a pain, the perfect time to take it to Jesus. And in our readings today, we see how incredible it is when people take their hurts and pains to Jesus. We've already gone through this list, but let's do it again. Peter's mother-in-law healed of a fever that had left her bedridden. This is not some little headache she is dealing with here. She takes it to Jesus. Jesus heals her. People possessed of demons, many of them having them driven out. A whole town healed of various diseases. It is incredible what happens when people take their hurts to Jesus. And when you're dealing with these kind of things, it's the perfect time to give God one of these. We need to be having more conversations with God like the blind man has with him in Mark chapter 10, verses 50 through 52. It says, throwing his cloak aside, the blind man jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Just a simple conversation between God and man. And what do we usually call a conversation between God and man? Call it prayer, right? What do you notice about this prayerful conversation? I'll tell you what I see. I see the blind man being very specific about what he needs. He doesn't beat around the bush, right? And he boldly doesn't hold back. He doesn't say things like, I just, Lord, just give me the peace of accepting my blindness. No, he says, I want to see. 
And we should be praying like this. So often, I think, when we're dealing with something, we go down our list and ask for the third, fourth, fifth best outcome. Is that really what you would ask for if Jesus was standing right in front of you, asking that question, tell me what you want me to do for you today? No, you should be bold in prayer and ask for the thing that you want, need the most. I want to see. So next time you're dealing with a hurt, a sickness, a disease, I want you to go to God in prayer and visualize Jesus right in front of you. And he is there in prayer asking you that question. What do you want me to do for you? Don't hold back. Don't beat around the bush. Don't go down your list. Ask for that top thing. Pray in the fashion of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Tell God exactly what you need. And then thank him for what he has done. This is an awesome way to pray. You're taking your needs to an all-powerful God who loves you very much. You're taking your needs to a God who never turned away anyone who asked for his healing touch in the Bible. You will experience God's peace in that situation. All right. So we should pray when we're tired and need to recharge, when we're dealing with a hurt, a boo-boo. And finally, when we need something that we can't reach on our own, when we desperately need it, it's the perfect time to go to God in prayer. And we see something that we can't reach on our own in our epistle lesson today in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Question. What do you think the prize is? I'll tell you what it is. The prize in this case, it's simply closeness with God. And the truth is, this is not something that we can reach on our own. We need God to reach this relationship for us. The Bible is quite clear. All have sinned and fall short, and the wages of sin is death. And it is death because our sins have separated us from our God. That's what Isaiah 59.2 says, we needed someone to close that gap before us. And that someone is, of course, Jesus Christ. That is what the cross is all about. It's all about bridging that gap that was between you and God. And that's exactly what his perfect life and death on the cross does. Forgives your sins, pays the debt that you had for your sins, and removes that separation that was between you and God. And now the prize is right there for the taking. Jesus ran the race on your behalf and he won the prize for you. Closeness with God, it's right there for you to have. And yet, and yet sometimes we do things, don't we, that keep that prize out of reach. Sometimes we do not run in a way as to win the race. I ran long distance all through high school and college. And I can tell you there are certain things that a runner can do that will make sure they do not run at their best. There are certain things that runners need to remove from their lives if they want to run at peak performance. It doesn't matter how well you train, how perfect your race strategy is, if your diet entirely consists of Taco Bell and you smoke several cartons of cigarettes a day, you will not run at peak performance. In a similar sense, Sometimes there are things in our lives that need to be removed to help us enjoy the prize that is closeness with God. And this could be an extensive list here. It really could. 
Maybe for you, that thing is a bad priority. Maybe you're prioritizing something above your relationship with God, some sort of idolatry. Maybe for you, it's some sort of sin. Maybe you're dealing with unforgiveness, something you just can't move past. Maybe it's some sort of addiction that is keeping you from having a close relationship with God. Let's face it, sometimes we feel powerless against these things. Sometimes we feel like we can't remove them on our own. And if that's you, if you are struggling to beat a sin or addiction, if there's some sort of sin or addiction that is keeping you from reaching God, go to him in prayer and ask him to remove it for you. Once again, we pray in the fashion of Philippians 4, 6 and 7. This is a good prayer here. This is you. I want you to pray like this. Say, God, I want to be close to you. Please remove this sin, this addiction, this thing, whatever it is from my life. I can't do it on my own. And it is making you feel out of reach. Want to know why this is a good prayer? Because in scripture, what I see over and over again is God helping the helpless, especially when they realize just how helpless they are. And this prayer is you saying to God, I am helpless and I need your help. Please remove this thing from my life. I want to be close to you. All right, one final thought on all of this as we get towards the end of this message. Cooper does this to me all the time, all day long, in fact. Do I always give Cooper what he wants? No. No, I don't always give Cooper what he wants. Well, don't you want him to be happy, Pastor? Yes. Yes, I do want Cooper to be happy, but you know what I want more than that? I want what's best for him. And sometimes little babies, they don't know what is best for them, do they? Maybe Cooper goes up to the pantry. He does this all the time. Goes up to the pantry and gives it one of these. He wants a snack, but it's 4.58, and I know that dinner is going to be on the table at 5 o'clock. So I don't give in to him. Sometimes he cries. Sometimes he pleads. It makes me feel so bad, right? But I don't want to spoil what I know is best for him in that dinner. The other day, we were cutting some vegetables. He goes up to the cutting board. He's giving it one of these. You know what he wants? He wants the big chef's knife that is up there. Probably put a smile on his face if I handed that down to him. Here you go, little fella. But that smile would disappear pretty quickly, right? I know what's best for him. He doesn't. It's very obvious where this is going, right? Does God always give us what we want every time we give him one of these? No. Well, doesn't he want you to be happy? Of course he does, but that's not the highest ranking thing on the list. He wants what's best for you most of all. Does this mean I should stop praying if my prayer isn't answered the way that I like? No, Jesus says we should always pray and not give up. Why should we listen to Jesus? Well, he's all powerful and he didn't give up on you. That's what the cross is all about. And in Jesus, we have someone who loves you more than you could ever imagine. I love Cooper so much. But you know who loves him more, infinitely more? God. God loves him infinitely more. And if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? That's the kind of love that God has for Cooper. That's the kind of love that God has for you and me. And so be encouraged, St. John's family, to go to him in prayer. 
May you go to him with these needs when you're tired and need to recharge, when you're dealing with some kind of ailment, and when there's something that you just need so bad, but you can't reach it on your own. May you go to God with these needs and more in prayer. May you give him one of these each and every day in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.